Good morning, Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers radio show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us on this Sunday morning. We're broadcasting from our flagship station, KCAA, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. If not, you can find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. Also, you can find podcasts posted on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. And don't forget, you can always learn more about our show at trueseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Christopher Johnson. He's the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're going to discuss the topic of the 501c3 church and whether or not it is biblical. Christopher Johnson is the founder of the Creation Liberty Evangelism Ministry. In 2009, he started the ministry in order to teach the truth of God's word and science, and also his wife, Lorraine, helps him with the ministry. So let's give a welcome to Christopher. How are you doing, Christopher? Wonderful, Angeline. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here. Oh, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to spend some time and share some very important information with me and the listeners. Before we get started, could you first tell us a little bit about your ministry and why you started it? Uh, sure. Uh, the ministry I started was basically because we wanted to, at first I was studying uh, the liberty movements and campaigns that were going around to try to fight for constitutional liberty and things like that, and it really came down to one person asking a question that was, you know, why uh, why are some people talking about creation evolution in the liberty movements and the constitutional movements and things like that? And I had never thought about it before, but it, it turns out that God's Word is the absolute foundation to any logical argument that you give for government at all. And so uh, the ministry started out from talking about uh, defending constitutional things and uh, Christians involved in, in government and things like that, and it, it really came down to really sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ became the foundation. So that's a long story short. Okay. Well, great. Thanks. Well, today... You know, we're going to discuss 501c3, but could you first maybe explain, because maybe not everybody understands or even thinks about it. So for the listeners, just what is a 501c3 church and why should anybody, but, you know, Christians, why should they be concerned about this subject? I mean, it seems like the majority of Christians don't really think about whether or not their church is 501c3. So could you first maybe talk about that? Yeah, and I was in the exact same place, I mean, many years ago. I mean, growing up in churches, I had never questioned anything like that. I mean, usually, I'm probably along those same lines, some of the listeners, where they thought a 501c3 is just something standard you have to do in order to be an official church, in quotations, you know. Um, but the 501c3 is um, that's part of the Internal Revenue Code under USC 26 uh, 501c, and there's different parts of it that you, you know you can get into. But the part three is for religious, educational, and charitable entities. Um, but you don't have to get 501c3, and I don't know where this assumption has come from uh, because well, we're going to ignore the fact that uh, because it's a, it's a tax exemption. And we're going to ignore the fact that there's really no law that requires anybody to file a federal income tax form. You can watch a, a, a documentary online called Freedom to Fascism 
and I'll explain more about that. So we're going to skip that for now. But uh, they they get 501c3 in order to become tax exempt. Well, we need to define what we mean by that because when you say tax exempt, that means you owe a tax, but then you're exempt from it, obviously, and that's what people need to understand because Christ's church, the true church, the true New Testament church of Jesus Christ, is not taxable at all because in order to be taxable, you have to be recognized as a legal entity by a government. But you see, the church of Christ, we are spiritual. We're not, you know, it's not uh, the physical body, it's the spiritual body. And so a spiritual entity is not a, an entity that a government can recognize. So it's not taxable at all. So when, I, when some people, and, and later as we get into some quotations, we hear the word that churches are already tax-exempt. That's true, but not true at the same time. Churches are not taxable. So when you sign a 501c3, you're looking to get tax-exempt. When you sign that dotted line, you're actually saying, okay, now our church is taxable, and the government is now giving us permission not to have to pay those taxes. And that can get into some danger just on its own. But the basic uh, concept is that most churches get 501c3 incorporated for the money. Uh, the money involved is where a business or an individual can donate to a 501c3 nonprofit charity, and then they can write that off on their I, uh, IRS tax forms which I could also argue is, is not true biblical giving if you're trying to entice people to do that, but that's another subject for another day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know, like, how far back this started? I thought I heard something about the during Lyndon Johnson's uh, time in office, but I wasn't quite yeah. sure about that. Do you know anything about Yeah, pretty about much. The, yeah, the preachers were, um, of that day, Lyndon Johnson's day, were basically you used to, you know, take, for example, 100 years ago, preachers would get up on the pulpit, and if there was a presidential candidate, for example, that was a whoremonger, you know, someone like Bill Clinton, uh, they would get up on, on the pulpit and say, this guy is a whoremonger and you should not be supporting him because it's not right to do so. And they were blasting some of these, um, really, I, I don't want to say the term blasting, I guess it's the wrong impression, but they were telling the truth about these guys and revealing what uh, what was really going on in the personal lives of these presidents and whether they had moral character to stand in a position of leadership. Lyndon Johnson hated that because it was revealing him for what he was. So he invented the 501c3 in order to, it basically makes a trap to put churches under the control of the government. And that's uh, more of what we're going to talk about today, I guess. And I, I just, um, I guess maybe this is a good time to add in here because I've always questioned since I started learning about this, why a church would want to, I mean, take aside from the money because the money is not the focus here. Why would a church seek to be regulated by a branch of the government that most people would rather just have out of their lives? You know, why did they just go to the IRS to seek, you know, to be exempt from a tax they didn't know to begin with? And there's a quote by a man named Stephen Nestor. He's a senior IRS officer. I want to read this to you real quick. This is a, this was published in a book called In Caesar's Script by Peter Kershaw, which is a great book about this. Uh, Stephen Nestor said, quote, I am not the only IRS employee who's wondered why churches go to the government and seek permission to be exempted from a tax they didn't know to begin with, and to seek a tax-deductible status that they've always had anyway. Many of us have marveled at how church leaders want to be regulated and controlled by an agency of the government that most Americans have prayed would just get out of their lives. Churches are in an amazingly unique position, but they don't seem to know or appreciate the implications of what it would mean to be free of government control, end quote. So it's not just me questioning this. When I was reading this guy, said he and many other IRS employees are asking the same question. Why do these churches want to go and just beg us for permission for us to regulate? Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the conundrum. But I'm wondering, I mean, you say they weren't taxable to begin with. So I'm wondering, do they even know, do they honestly know that they don't have to file for that status? I believe that the average pastor honestly believes 
he is doing what's right. I, I don't think, they honestly don't know. I think the average church, and it's not just him, the average church, the average uh, church board, the elders, the deacons, all the church members themselves, I think they honestly think they're doing what's right, and I think they don't know. But at the same time, as a Christian, we have a responsibility to know these things. We're supposed to know the devices of Satan, uh, you know, lest we fall into the trap. And uh, that's something that, you know, I, I, as much as I want to say, look, a lot of these guys just did this in ignorance. At the same time, if they did it in ignorance, I mean, they should know the facts about some of this. And that's what we're hoping just to do, is just to educate uh, different pastors and church leaders so that way we can bring the Church of Christ back to its foundation that we have from Acts of the Apostles instead of moving it into what I like to call the Devil's Church, because as we see coming up here pretty soon that uh, it really links in to a lot of uh, pagan idolatry, and I'll show the links between that and get some scripture for you that in just a minute. Okay, Christopher, that this is a good time. we got to take a break, and when we come back, we'll pick it up right there. Listeners, you're listening to the True Seekers radio show. My uh, guest today is Christopher Johnson, and we'll be back right after these messages. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council. Each year, millions of people fall for dangerous fad diets and bogus weight loss products. Here's how to separate facts from fad. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. Fad diets give lots of promises and few results. Some are even dangerous. Remember these warning signs. A guarantee of rapid weight loss is a red flag. For long-term success, aim to lose about one pound per week. Never follow a diet that bans an entire food group or one that allows you to only eat from one group. Finally, there is no proof that eating specific foods at certain times of the day will help with weight loss. To create an eating plan just for you, see a registered dietitian and visit www.eatright.org. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the 501c3 church. And Christopher, before we went to the break, uh, we were talking 
about, you know, why do we think pastors and, and the congregation are ignorant to this fact? And I have to ask you something, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, put down churches, but let's be honest, a lot of churches even though they're not supposed to be money-making entities, obviously a lot of them are bringing in a lot of money because I don't know about where you live, but I see some of the huge, huge churches that go up and they don't stop at that. Then they do a gym and a this and a that. So do you maybe think that they feel like this 501c3 church status thing is a safety net of sorts? Well, it depends because there's a lot of it. Generally, I, see, I hear a lot of excuses as to why people should and should not keep it. Um, really, you know, why people feel that they should or shouldn't do it, I, to me, is kind of irrelevant. I don't mean that insulting or anything mm-hmm. to anybody who's, uh, who's asking the question. Uh, it's a good question, but to me, it's irrelevant because mm-hmm. um, the basic, I mean, the, the, the scripture I was quoting before we left was um, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says that lest Satan should get advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices. Basically, what we need to know is what are the devices of Satan in this, and is this, is this biblical? Because if there's no biblical standing on it, the reasons for things are irrelevant. Tensions can be really good, but the road to hell is paved with contention. So uh, we need to understand the, the basics about it. If it's okay, I want to share something uh, with you real quick. Okay. Um, there's a quote I want to give from Barbara Cate, and she works at the Biblical Law Center. That's in uh, Greenwood, Indiana. It's about an hour from us. I've spoken at their church over there where uh, they're located, and I will give their contact information at the end of this. Um, but she says in an article she wrote about the 501c3 Incorporated Church, she said, quote, okay, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, deacons, trustees, elders, listen up. Let's stop all the hocus-pocus, the illusions, the scams, the fairy tales, and the outright lies regarding what the 501c3 Incorporated Church is and is not. For a change, let's deal with facts. For those of you who don't understand facts in the legal arena, facts are used and are supported by documented evidence that would be admissible in a legitimate court of law. Facts are not hyperbole, end quote. And by hyperbole, that means exaggeration. Because many times when you give a legal fact to a preacher, he will give an excuse or just, oh, well, you're just exaggerating that. that thing. This is not exaggeration. These are things that have been proven in past court cases clear up back to 1899. Uh, the Supreme Court has ruled on this kind of stuff. So I want to describe nine points, uh, and I think this is important, nine points of what a corporation is mm-hmm. according to legal definition. Number one, it's a, the, corp, the creator of a corporation is the state. Number two, the state is the sole authority and sovereign head over the corporation. Number three, the corporation is subject to the laws of the state, which limits its powers. Number four, the corporation has no constitutionally protected rights. Number five, the corporation is an artificial person. Number six, the corporation submits to a state charter, declaring it a creature of the state. Number seven, the corporation is created for the benefit of the public. Number eight, the corporation is a state franchise. And number nine, the, uh, the corporation is a privilege granted by the state. Now, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, elders, deacons, all Christians out there that are listening, I want you to listen very carefully. When you get 501c3 incorporated, you are incorporated. That means you are a corporation. And even as a member of a church, you are part of that corporation. So I want to go back over these nine. I'm going to replace the word corporation with your church. Number one, the creator of your church is the state. It does not matter what the preacher gets up on the pulpit, and when he says God is the creator of this church, it doesn't matter what he says. He's only giving lip service to it because your church signed a contract. He signed it over a contract. Because according to that contract, your, your pastor is considered the CEO of that corporation. He signed a contract stating 
that the creator of the church is the state, not God. Number two, the state is the sole authority and sovereign head over your church. It doesn't matter if your pastor gets up on the pulpit and he says, Jesus Christ is the sovereign head over this church. Again, he's only giving lip service to it because you sign contracts stating that the sole authority and sovereign head over the church is the state. Number three, your church is subject to the laws of the state, which limits its power. Now think about that one for just a moment, because mm-hmm. if, um, like out in California, they have laws protecting gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Your church is subject to that. There's laws out there in different states protecting abortion. Your church is subject to that. See how, how dirty this can become uh, very quickly. Uh, continuing, it says, uh, number four, your church has no constitutionally protected rights. Now, that's where we get into, you know, some people are complaining about the, um, you know, well, what about the First Amendment? We have freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion. No, no, no. Well, you know, okay, step back a second. Yes, you have freedom of religion. Yes, you have freedom of speech according to the First Amendment, unless you signed a contract stating that you don't, and your church signed a contract which states you have no constitutionally protected rights. Uh, And I'll get into an example, a live example of that in just a minute. Number five, your church is an artificial person. Uh, Number six, your church submits to a state charter declaring it a creature of the state. Number seven, your church is created for the benefit of the public, not the benefit of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what a true New Testament church is supposed to be. But it says for the benefit of the public, whatever Mm -hmm. the state defines that to be. Number eight, your church is a state franchise. And number nine, your church is a privilege granted by the state. Now, to go into that, what a, a definition of a franchise, in case you guys don't know what that means, uh, anybody, any listeners don't know what that means, in the mm-hmm. legal arena, a franchise is a privilege or a right officially granted a person or a group by a government. So you see how your church does not exist because God ordained it. Your church now exists after signing the 51C3 contract because the government gave you the privilege to exist. If they want to take away that privilege, they can do so at any time. Uh, right. In fact, uh, when I talked about the Biblical Law Center, I just quoted from Barbara Patay, uh, that was started by Greg Dixon. Uh, Dr. Greg Dixon uh, and his son both started that. Their church in Greenwood was bulldozed to the ground because they refused to get 501c3 incorporated. They were made a, an example of. And he wrote a book called, um, uh, I, I think it's They Tore the Old Lighthouse Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you get a hold of that, you can read more about his story and what happened there. So this is a, when you sign that, it's not just signing it like, oh, okay, we get taxes up and now people can write off on their taxes. Wait a second. There is a whole, I mean, entire branch of knowledge behind these contracts of, of all the fine print that, you know, you sign on the bottom line. Uh, and when, you know, for example, uh, my dad was, he works as a limo driver, and he was driving limos around for some pastor who was moving on to another church and they were having a celebration. Uh, I, I don't know whether that was a good or a bad thing. Maybe I can't tell whether they really liked him or they didn't like him. And they went, hey, yeah, he's moving on. But anyway, the point is that, you know, he, was, he decided to ask him about it because my dad attends our home church. We've had a home church out here for about, you know, three years. And, you know, I've taught about this at our home church. And so he started asking about it. The pastor admitted he knew nothing about it. He just signed the contracts. He knows nothing about it. He says, you would have to go to our lawyer, and he's got stacks upon stacks upon stacks of paperwork that this contract entails. It covers such a wide range of stuff. He says, unless you were a lawyer, you wouldn't even be able to understand it. Right. And so I said, I said wait a second. All the stuff we don't understand, and these pastors are willingly signing this without, any, without really investigating? Wait a second. What are the ramifications of this first? Now, I'm sorry if some pastors are listening to this and they're saying, well, 
that's just the way the church was when I got here, or that's just the way my dad did it, and he, he was a preacher, and he did the same thing. It doesn't matter. If it's not right, it's not right. How? I mean, these, these nine points I just listed out, that should be all a Christian needs to hear to say, wait a second, there's something seriously wrong with this, and, and unbiblical. Uh, but it gets even worse still, and I'm not sure how much time we have here to cover. We still have a few minutes next. before our next break, about three more minutes, so go ahead. Well, Joshua 24:15 says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I think this is a, an issue where uh, preachers need to decide what they're going to do. Because uh, when you sign a contract, it's more than just signing something and agreeing to something. We need to understand that God hates lies. Uh, in Proverbs, multiple times, God condemns lies as an abomination. And we need to understand that when you sign a contract to something, for example, if you sign a contract, you know, you, you know, a lot of you out there, you have jobs, you make a wage, you actually sign into that for that corporation to make a wage. They said, if you, we're going to pay, we agree to pay you this wage if you agree to work this set of hours. Now, if you don't work that set of hours, they can fire you. If they don't pay you your wage, you can file suit against them. And there are ramifications to those things. But when you agree to do something, you gave your word that you were going to do it. Now, giving your word... Um, it's the same as making a promise. It, that is making a promise. And some people say, well, no, I didn't promise that I would do that. Wait a second. Did you realize that God, all throughout the Bible, gave his word continually, but he never once promised anything? But yet they're still called the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Because when he gives his word, it, it happens. And he expects the same thing from us. When we say we're going to do something, we have to do it. So when you sign at the bottom line on the 501c3 contract, you agree to all the statutes of that contract. Now, I don't know, have you, did you, um, Angeline, did you hear about the Salmons in Arizona last year? No. The, Sol- uh-uh. the Salmon family? Uh, no. That was basically a pastor who had a home church, and they, they came on online, and they were on YouTube and other places, and they were begging people, support us, support us, because the government is shutting down our home church. And in my ignorance, I went and signed petitions and said, yeah, I want to support this because they have the right to do this. But what the Salmons did not tell everyone in Arizona, and some people may be familiar with this case, uh, they didn't tell everyone they were 501c3 incorporated. And what the government was asking them to do, or it was telling them to do, it wasn't asking, it was telling them, you need to get your church building, which was in their home, up to church standard codes that we had by state and federal regulations. And they refused to do it. So they went and picked the guy up and arrested him and threw him in jail for three months. Wow. And they said, oh, we're so oppressed. But he never even realized, was it wrong for them to go and arrest him for having a home church? Yes, it was, unless... He signed a contract stating he would do the things listed in the contract, and that is meeting state and federal regulations for a church building. Right. He refused to do it, and they threw him in jail. The, the, uh, the, uh, the state and the IRS on that were correct. They were in the right position because the Salmons, they simply agreed to do that, and they didn't do it. And according to God's law, according to God's word, that is a lie. If you simply say, well, yeah, I'm going to get the benefits of the 501c3, but if they ever tell me what to preach, I'm just going to say no. Where in the Bible would God ever say, yeah, go ahead and give your word and then lie and, and, and turn back from that? Okay. Those are the kind of things you see in pagan religions. Okay. You don't see that in, in the Bible. God does not condone that. That's an abomination to him. So there are two options for pastors. Either one, keep your word and do the things you agree to do. If they say you're not allowed to preach about, you know, political candidates or about homosexuality and things like that, which is listed in, in the charters, you're not allowed to preach about that stuff, then don't do it because you agreed not to do it. 
Or the the more biblical option is to get out of the contract. Okay, Christopher, we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we'll pick it up right there. Listeners, my guest today is Christopher Johnson. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show, and we'll be back momentarily. take comfort in God's Word on a daily basis. But what about the ones who cannot hear these precious words of truth? Where would I find hope? Imagine God's Word in the tongue of those who thirst for the same hope you enjoy on a daily basis. You can help them experience the same blessings you take for granted. This book is like a GPS system. I turn to it to chart my course as I begin each new day. Help someone hear God's Word for the first time by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Find out more by calling 800-THE-WORD. Who will show me the way? Make a difference and help share the hope of God's living Word. Call 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Don't be stupid with your skin. It's the only skin you're in. Know what's good and bad to do. Find the right and wrong for you. It's time you learn what it's about. Cause indoor tanning is out. UV lamps from a tanning bed. They can turn your skin beet red. Wrinkles come from the UV light. And eight spots make you go frightful sight. With UV light, it gets worse. Skin cancer is a wicked curse. Don't be the one that's tanning dead. Use your brain, use your head, it's time you learn what it's about. Cause indoor tanning is out. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and he's sharing information with us on the 501c3 Church. Christopher, before we continue, would you like to give us uh, any contact information or your website that you might want to share? Sure, yeah. Our website is uh, www.creationliberty.com, and you can go on there uh, find more information. If you want to read our article on this, just type in 501c3 into the search bar, and that will take you to it. Uh, or you can also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have YouTube videos about this. You can listen to audio uh, podcasts over it, or you can watch our video podcast. It's completely up to you. Uh, real quick, I also want to give the contact information to the Biblical Law Center, because as we go through this next part, we're going to have a lot of people uh, that typically try to email us all the time, and they say, how do I get out of this? Folks, I have to tell you straight up, I don't know how to get out of this because I've never been involved in it. I haven't had to get into it to that degree. Mm-hmm. But the folks at the Biblical Law Center can help you with that, and that's Greg Dixon I mentioned earlier, Barbara Cate, those people. 
Um, and their website is biblicallawcenter.com. Uh, that's P.O. Box 11, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46206. You can contact them. Uh, there's two phone numbers here, 317-414-3478 or 321-253-2374, or you can contact them by email at contact at biblicallawcenter.com. Uh, so I would, you know, you guys can always email us, ask us questions if you want, but if you're going to ask how do we get out of it, I can't answer that for you. You should contact the Biblical Law Center. Okay. So, Christopher, you were pointing out those nine points, which sounds like allegiance to the state to me as far as that 501c3. But I'm sure pastors have their justifications. Do you know what some of those are? When I mean, do they defend what they're doing even when they're they're shown the... the... Yeah, it's a little bit on top of what I mentioned last time. Like, a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, uh, Romans 13, uh, they said, read Romans 13 about submission to the government and get out of my face. It's basically kind of what they'll do. And Romans 13, that's not that's not the proper interpretation of that. We don't have time for that. You know, uh, absolute submission to government, no matter what, no matter what, is not biblical. Uh, because, you know, there was all, I could give numerous examples of the Bible um, where the, the Christians or the righteous men of God were defying the government when it came down to either we choose what is right, right by God or we choose what the government wants us to do. You know, uh, when they have that choice, they always chose to follow God first. And uh, so that kind of thing is, is, not a, is not a good argument. I mean, Paul, who wrote most of the books in our New Testament, I mean, he spent most of his time in jail. <laughs> How can he sit there and say that, you know, oh, you, have to, you have to obey the government no matter what? And there's a lot of popular mainstream ministries that are teaching that. Uh, but I want to give people a couple of verses here. Um, you understand in Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus Christ said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And folks, mammon, when he says that, that's money of their day. You can't serve God you know, claiming to give lip service to serving God, but at the same time sign a contract for the money. I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't know how much more clear it can get than that. Revelation chapter 3, and this, is, this shows, um, verses 15 and 16, shows us that we can't ride the fence. You can't keep one foot on one side and one foot on the other. Because Jesus Christ said, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot or cold nor hot. I would work, I, excuse me, I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Jesus Christ doesn't like lukewarm Christians. He wants you to stand on the truth of his word or get off the truth of his word, either one or the other. And uh, to continue on here, I wanted to share something with you about this, because um, this next part, once I understood this, this is all, in my opinion, any Christian should need to hear in order to get out of the 501c3 and find out how to get out immediately. Um, first of all, I want to read you uh, Revelation 18, and then I'll share some information with you. It says for, um, it's talking about the woman riding the beast, you know, in, in Revelation 18. It says, For all nations have drunk of the wine and the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Jesus Christ says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. But amazingly, even though, you know, there's so many Christians... Even after I read this, and I, I guess it's it's just sad to me that there's so many Christians that will still try to justify it even after hearing this. But I want you to hear about, it's not, a lot of Christians think that the 501c3 is just for like churches and ministries. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. 501c3 is for tons of stuff. Even though I would say from my own personal experience, probably 98 to 99% of the churches and ministries I run into are 501c3 incorporated. Um, but... There are tons, I mean, literally tens of thousands of other ones. 
Now, when you get when you sign into the 501c3, you have to understand that you are a part of that organization. You're a part of this nonprofit organization, okay? That means you're getting yoked up, as the Bible would say, getting yoked up with this group. And let me tell you what, as your church, all you listeners out there, your churches that are involved in this, let me tell you what else they're, they're, they're yoked up with. The First Church of Satan is 501c3 Incorporated. Planned Parenthood, the Baby Killers, 501c3. Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders. The Touchstone Local Council of the Covenant of the Goddess. The, the Secular Web, which is an anti-God organization, they're 501c3. The U.S. Uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops. The Q Cinema Gay and Lesbian International Film Festival, The Witch's Voice, The Church of Scientology, The Satanist Cult of Cthulhu, uh, American Atheists, Mormon Church of Latter-day Saints, The Pagan Druid, The Seer Light Grove, Islamic Youth Camps, all sorts of stuff. These are the, the people that your church is, to put it in biblical terms, getting into bed with. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody want to get into bed with these? I mean, ch- listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is verses 14 through 18. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, that's what they're getting, <laughs> that's what's happening. And it continues and, and asks questions here. It says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Good question. And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You see, the secular web, the anti-God organization I mentioned, their website is called infidels.org. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And that is what I personally, um, if I have to give a message to to pastors out there, and not just to pastors, any church leader, deacon, any church member, any of you Christians out there, to come out from among them and be he separate. And what does that mean? Sometimes you're going to have to go and, and share this information. I mean, if you go to creationliberty.com, look up the 501c3 article we have on there, you can actually print out our article and take it to people. Um, and some of this can get sticky. I want, I want to actually warn some Christians, because uh, when you start to talk to people that are involved in 501c3s, oftentimes they will, they will give you lots of excuses. And it's, it's going to be shocking in some senses. We had a, a lady that once uh, visited our, uh, our home church. Uh, she happened to come in on a day that we happened to be, I, I happened to be preaching about this. She came in to um, visit with someone else there, and she didn't know we were having church there because we were at home. And so she stayed for the last 20 minutes of it, and she was listening. And uh, so... The, one of the people there, since she was friends with them, uh, she, she asked her, she said, uh, is your church 51C3? And she goes, well, my, my pastor would never do something like that. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, do you know for sure? And she goes, he, he just wouldn't do something like that. And she says, well, do you know for certain? And she repeated it a third time. She goes, well, he just, he just, he just wouldn't. It's almost that people want to sit in ignorance instead of finding out the truth. Because, mm-hmm. folks, it's not, about, it's not about the convenience. I realize that some of you, I know it's hard. Some of you may have gone to some of these churches for years and years, and you know the people personally. Some of them, maybe since they were babies, you've known them. But this is, I mean, remember what Jesus Christ said. He said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. To pit, you know, the, the son against his father, the daughter against her mother. 
over it. What is it about, that Jesus Christ is trying to separate families? No, he's trying to divide people based on the truth. He went around dividing people all over the place. And even though, you know, people say, well, the Bible says you're not supposed to give offenses, uh, you know, divide and, and uh, give offenses and divisions. Yeah, but if you read that verse carefully, it says offenses and divisions that is contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, which means there are offenses and divisions that are good, and Jesus Christ did this all the time. And, folks, what you want to do is go and share this in a loving manner. But if you have people that don't want to uh, do anything about this, uh, that don't really want to fix this problem. Let me read you First Timothy chapter 4. Uh, this is verses 1 and 2 real quick. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is what Jesus Christ is telling us is going to happen in the latter days. And it, it seems so much that when I read this stuff to people, and, and try to, especially church leaders and things like that, uh, we have had a few email us that have been like, I, I want to get out of this as soon as possible, and praise God for them, but we've had an awful lot more that don't want to hear any of this. And mm-hmm. it seems like they just want to sign these, these contracts. It's like they don't, it doesn't even bother them. Like their conscience has been seared. And the problem is when you, in, when you get into bed with all these different organizations, like I just mentioned, you're inviting seducing spirits and doctrines of devils into your church unknowingly. And we have to understand this is not just about the contracts. There is, I mean, don't we believe as Christians there's spiritual warfare going on all around us? Yeah, does this not invite seducing spirits into our church? Why would you want to go to a church where seducing spirits are being invited in? You want to find a church, even if you have to go seek a home church, or some of you may have to start a home church yourself, to get out of that. I'm not saying, I'm not encouraging anybody to leave your church. But what you need to look for is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Is this something you really want to be a part of? And based on the scriptures that I'm reading here, I mean, that's what I want people to start to consider. And just, just as the Bible says, when you know, in Psalms, when it says, Selah, Selah is what the Hebrews always, it means stop and think. They used to sing the Psalms, and at that point they would all pause, be quiet, and think. And I'm just asking for people to Selah, stop mm-hmm. and think about it for a moment. Okay, Christopher. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll have a few more minutes to wrap it up. So listeners, my guest today is Christopher Johnson, and he's the founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the 501c3 church. We'll be back right after this break. Antioxidants. You've heard of them, but do you know what they're good for or where to get them? This is Sylvia Escott Stump of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Antioxidants. They destroy the free radicals that cause cellular damage. And eating foods that are rich in antioxidants may help prevent cancer and heart disease. These foods include red wine in addition to grape juice, whole grain pasta, eggs, seafood, and canned beans, brightly colored vegetables, carrots, squash, broccoli, all the peppers, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, and kale are other tasty sources. And for those of you with a sweet tooth, good news. Honey, brown sugar, and maple syrup, in addition to fruits like blueberries, cantaloupe, peaches, and strawberries, also contain significant levels of antioxidants. Encouraging you to eat right. I'm registered dietitian Sylvia Escott Stump with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics.
For every translator on the field, we need at least two volunteers. There's a role for you in the ministry of Bible translation. If you're willing, you can help. On a computer, sewing machine, car, on a ladder, there's work you can do. Wycliffe Associates volunteers help build the translation training centers, provide systems for clean water, do office work, and share the unquenchable Word of God to those who desperately seek eternal life. I want to know about Him. Please help me find Him. Learn how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Call 800-THE-WORD. Would I do this again? In a heartbeat. If God is calling you to make a difference, call us at 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Christopher Johnson, founder of Creation Liberty Evangelism, and we're discussing the 501c3 church. And Christopher, when you were reading those nine points, and I, I believe one of them or what you were alluding to is that basically the 501c3 status means that according to state, you sort of have to you would have to preach as a church in the public interest. Well, we know that a lot of times, especially now, what we deem as in the public interest is probably different than what the uh, state would say is in public interest. So what would some of those things be? I mean, what would some of the things be that the preachers would be muzzled on preaching? I mean, I don't, if you're a 501c, Three, I don't see how you could preach on some things that you should be preaching on. Well, I don't have the uh, reference pulled up here right now to show you, but one of the things that they are not allowed to preach on is uh, you know, any presidential candidates, any political candidate, anything like that. You're not allowed to speak out against that stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, people, I mean, Christians, the preachers should be one of the, one of the best um, tools in politics, basically, to keep our political system uh, moral. The preachers were always used to do this, and the problem is they've been silenced. Now, there are some people that still preach out. Like, they'll preach out against Obama and things like that. I can name certain ministries. I'm not going to do that today because I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to rail on anybody. But I can name ministries for you that I've seen them openly preach out against Obama, and they're 501c3 Incorporated. Now, they may not, the, the IRS may be, be leaning on them, and they're not coming after them, but they can shut them down at any moment. Now, for, uh, for pastors, let me, let me give you this scenario. Let's say, you know, you've got your church, and you're open up on Sunday morning, and you've got a gay couple, right? two men who are, who are married in some state or something like that where it's legal. They come in, they're a married gay couple, they sit down in the back of your auditorium, and they listen to you preach the truth about homosexuality out of Bible, like, for example, out of Romans 1. They get offended by that. They can leave your church, contact the IRS, report you, and get your church shut down just because they don't like what you're preaching. It made them feel uncomfortable. And according to 501c3, you're not allowed, now even though they're not always enforcing this, okay, they keep stacking the chains on until finally you're, you're going to feel it one day. Um, but you're, according to the 501c3 contracts, you're not allowed to preach anything that would make um, 
anyone else that would basically offend anyone else in any of the other 501c3s. You have to understand, Islam is part of the 501c3. You preach anything against Islam, uh, you, can be, you can have your church shut down. The same goes for if you preach against Mormonism, or you preach against Satanism, or atheism, or anything else. You're not allowed to do that. And that's what people don't understand. Once you're in this, you know, contract, you know, they, they keep saying, well, I'm not, you know, Acts 5.29 says we should obey God rather than men. Well, I agree we should obey God rather than men, but obeying God, I mean, why did you sign a contract that makes you regulated by men if you wanted to obey God rather than men? Because now your, your church was, the creator of your church is the IRS, the state. And what you need to understand, I, I wanted to share this too real quick. Uh, this is another... Uh, quote from an IRS agent. This was uh, from Melvin Blau, IRS agent. He was under oath when he said this. Um, and uh, let's see here if I've got, yeah, I've got the right quote here. It says, quote, once a church obtains the status of 501c3 under the IRS, they are trapped. The only way to be removed from a 501c3 status is if the IRS chooses to remove the exemption. So if you dissolve the corporation and continue on as ABC Church, an unincorporated church, that's unincorporated, remember, he continues and says, you're still trapped in their web and under their control, end quote. What he just said here was that even if you said, oh, wow, I don't want to be a part of this, you're a pastor, you leave the church, go start an unincorporated church, no, you're still involved in their web because you've already signed the documentation. Um, Barbara Cate, who I mentioned earlier of the Biblical Law Center, when I gave the contact information, she said this in one of her articles, she said, quote, to dissolve the 501c3 corporation, you must first give all your assets, if you have any, to another 501c3 corporation. Now, wait a second. Whoa. Slow down a second. The Satanist cult of Cthulhu, they can take away your assets, your church, your books, your DVDs, your pews, all your property, and give it to a Satanist cult. They can give it to an atheist organization if you want to dissolve that contract. Most, I'm telling you, Christians don't understand what they're in. She continues and says, if you do not do this, the state will take your assets and distribute them for you to other tax-exempt 501c3 corporations, end quote. So uh, no matter what, to get out of the 501c3 system and restore the Lord's church to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have to lose almost everything. And pastors really, I mean, this is why it is so difficult for many pastors to get out of this. And not just pastors, Christians in general. Because the price is too high for a lot of people. Let me read you Matthew 16, 24 through 20. It says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. You guys know this verse. It says, For what is a, is, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after... They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Folks, this is screaming out to the 501c3 churches. Here's 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. 1 Timothy 6 has a lot of good verses in there for this. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to preach, uh, to preach and teach Truth and righteousness, and stay in truth and righteousness. Not give up all that for the money. And folks, the money, I mean, this is, I mean, some of these people are enjoying sin for a season. But folks, the money is not important, important enough to sacrifice the gospel of Jesus Christ for. I mean, we're supposed to be separate from the world. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be the light to the world, to be salt and light. 
And I know some people are going to be offended by this, but the Bible does say to be salt, and salt does some interesting things. Salt flavors. It makes things better. Salt irritates, like irritating a wound. And salt preserves, like preserving the Word of God. And that's why I want to teach the truth. I'm not here to, you know, I want to, I really do understand the difficult position some people are in, but I'm not here to play favorites. I'm not here to teach a bunch of politically correct stuff and, you know, do public relations with you. I'm here to teach you the truth. And the truth is that the 501c3 church is destroying our country it's because it's, it's limiting the churches. It's destroying the Church of Jesus Christ. And I, I personally, just my opinion, this is per- only my opinion, I'm not saying all churches are bad or all churches are, are purposely trying to do bad things, but I believe the Church of Jesus Christ has slowly gone underground because we are losing it to the mainstream 501c3 entities. Well, this goes way deeper than I thought. I mean, I always thought the 501c3 status just prevented them then for speaking out in a political way or against a candidate, like you said. But this goes so much deeper. I mean, if you can't offend any of the other 501c3 organizations, you you're not. There's going to come a day where when they do start enforcing this, you're not going to be able to to really preach the word at all. I mean, because everything right. would be offensive. And Angeline, I know we don't have that much time left on the show, but you know, right now, their FEMA is getting involved in hiring pastors on their payroll. I know we didn't get time to cover this, but um, I have quotations on here that, that uh, show about how the that large church organizations are generally refusing to divulge information of how many pastors are on FEMA payroll. That's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Wow. Uh, for those of you who don't who aren't following what's happening in this country right now, FEMA is going to be in charge when they declare martial law, and there's going to be nothing anybody can do to stop them. But and the pastors are pastors. justifying this with that Romans 13, correct? Yes, exactly. And that's not that's not justification at all. If people will stop and read the verse, I mean, it, folks, you can go onto our website, uh, type in submission to government on our website in the search bar, and we have an entire article about should Christians submit to government, and it, it's all about Romans 13, and that'll teach you the truth on that. What a lot of these ministering pastors are not telling you about Romans 13, when you read it carefully, it doesn't justify that at all. But these pastors, I mean, where in the Bible does Jesus Christ say, you know, oh, yeah, you should go take a paycheck from, you know, the government? Go take a paycheck from Caesar, you know, right. to, to to preach. You know, that's not that's not true. You know, where is where in the Bible does Jesus Christ says thou shalt have thy tax exempt status? You know, that, yeah. there's, that's not in there anywhere either. And it's amazing how many people. It's it's so um, it's so the information's so hidden. People keep it so private because there's a lot of pastors that really. I'm not saying that all pastors are like, but some of you out there honestly are are trying to do the right thing. But there are some pastors out there, I have seen them, that are purposely deceiving the masses. And I, I, I understand we don't really have a lot of time for quotations right now, but I have a whole lot of other stuff I share about that one. Uh, sorry about that. Well, we've got about another couple minutes. So if there's anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners before we go, or if you have a couple of those quotes that you'd like to read, go ahead. Well, I'll just read this. Um, this is from a, an article we have on, is tithing a Christian requirement? Uh, you can go in, uh, just type in the word tithe on, at creationliturgy.com, and you can mm-hmm. find this article and read more about this. But this is from the Schaefer Institute. Um, they said, uh, let's hear a quote that, find the right one, here it is. Uh, Schaefer Institute uh, says that 70, uh, 70% of pastors, this was based on a, uh, they, they got together roughly, I think it was between 1,000 to 1,500 pastors uh, from, these are um, 
from Reformed and Evangelical churches, not mainline pastors. These are not mainstream ministries. These are individual churches that are evangelical. And they got statistics from these pastors um, from a questionnaire they had them fill out. They said 70% said the only time they spend studying the Word of God is when they are preparing their sermons. 50% of pastors are so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could, but they have no other way of making a living. And folks, this whole thing about um, the tithing issue also uh, kind of uh, ties into this. I don't want to get into that right now because it's kind of off topic, but it does tie into this. And you see how I, I can give you other quotations of statistics they have given from their from their studies, but the if you if you think about that, wait a second, there are basically deceiving the congregation. Mm-hmm. 50%, according to theirs, are deceiving the congregation just because they don't have any other way of making a living. This is all that they can do. And I, I, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second, this is, I mean, how can, how can the church actually be going in the correct direction of God's Word? How can the pastor be leading the flock in the right direction if he's not actively studying the Word of God. Now, mm-hmm. I realize that all the listeners out there, there's nobody out there like this. I realize there are no... All of you say, well, my church isn't like that. I know everybody says that. That must mean these statistics don't exist. It's just like when I... You know, I've never met a bad driver in my life. Okay? Right. I've talked to hundreds of people, never met a bad driver, so that must mean they don't exist. Okay, I'm Chris. Just saying, we need well, to investigate it and see the well, truth. we're running out of time. Thanks so much. That was great information. And can you give your web address again? Yes, that's creationliberty.com. Okay. And listeners, thanks so much for your time today. Our guest was Christopher Johnson of Creation Liberty Evangelism, talking about the 501c3 church. And until next week, God bless. <laughs>